You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What is up, my beautiful Knowing Truth speakers? This episode is brought to you by Painless Pregnancy. Painless Pregnancy is a group of physical therapists located in South Florida who specialize in helping pregnant and postpartum women prevent dysfunction and heal in the comfort of their own homes. This concierge service has been a game changer for me after my third childbirth, and I am excited to partner with them and offer our listeners 10% off of their first in-home visit using my code NikkiSpo10. Stay tuned to learn more. Thanks to Sana Skin Studio for supporting the No Podcast. Sana is a skin studio that is shifting the relationship with your skin and your products through goal-driven facials, real guidance, and clean skincare. Stay tuned for our promo code so you can receive $25 off of your first facial at Sana Skin Studio. Welcome to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to The Know with me, Nikki Spo. You guys, you gals, I am super stoked to be interviewing Yes Jules today. Back in my party days, she was the queen of the night. She was at and likely hosted every major party in Miami, and all of the A-listers had her on speed dial when coming through town. Crowned as the queen of Snapchat, Juliana Yes Jules Goddard is always ahead of the trend. Juliana has been paving the way for experiential marketing and holistic storytelling, creating memorable and immersive events and activations for elite brands and aligning them with the right talent to drive meaningful consumer engagement and value. 1AM has created and curated some of the most innovative and exclusive experiences and activations for an impressive roster of clients. Jules is a communications leader with a passion for building relationships between brands and customers through the combination of technology and digital media. She has many specialties, including digital strategy, social media strategy, and community management. Most importantly, she has a keen understanding of why something is trending and what will be the next best thing. With an engaged, curious, and creative audience of multicultural entrepreneurs and artists, Jules has built loyalty amongst even the most skeptical. They trust her opinion and expertise on branding, music making, and marketing. Jules is a new mama and she's not one to shy away from reinventing herself. I have always been fascinated by her mind and today we will get a close look into the creative powerhouse that is Yes Jules. What's up, Boricua? <laughs> Thank you. It's about time somebody recognized my Puerto Rican heritage. Yeah, girl. Yeah, girl. I'm so excited to have you on the know. So thanks for taking the time to meet with me via Zencaster and bienvenidos. Oh, muchas gracias. <laughs> I feel like this has been a long time coming, man. We've I've known you forever. I mean, like back, I was just, I just did like an intro for you. And I was just thinking like back in the party days, like you, I mean, my party days, not your party days, back in my party days, I'm like, 
this woman was the queen of the night. I actually called you that. I'm like the queen of the night. I love that. Thank you. That's probably better than my director of vibes title that I gave myself. Back I mean, that's a really good title. Yeah. The culture just drove that word vibes into the ground, myself included. Wow. So we need a new title. So I'll take the queen of night. Queen of the I'm night. Like, now I'm oh, trying yeah. to queen of the night. I like that. I mean, now and I'm, you're a new mom too. Cause you're, so you're super <laughs> queen of the night, right? That's feeding all night. So now I got to like alter. I'm like queen of the daytime meetings. <laughs> Okay. So your daughter is like the most adorable tiny human ever. Like seriously. So congrats on becoming a new mom. Thank you so much. And it's been honestly like even just having people like yourself in my wheelhouse that I've watched like simultaneously throughout the years, just be a mom from afar, not really knowing how that's left an impression on me to where I am now a mother. And I can like revert back to, oh, okay. You know, Nikki's still goes to dinners with her girlfriends and is a great mom or like she still like dresses cool and makes effort and time to, you know, do her hair and makeup, you know, why can't I? So, because in the first few weeks it was like, I kind of like forgot everything um, that I knew how to do and was just like a lot, like, what do I do? I didn't even know that it was a possibility to put my baby on the floor while I was going to the bathroom until Katya told me like, Hey, sometimes when I need to go, I just put Zaya right there and, and I go, you know? So I was just lost. So I am number one, super grateful for the women in my life who have been friends from afar and become closer friends through this journey, like yourself and Katya actually. And um, yeah, I'm just now I'm like, I got the hang of it. And I just want to be like the best example of a badass woman for my daughter and for other future moms to come and current moms. So I'm trying my best every day. You know, I just got my hair done yesterday. I put on today. I'm wearing a bra. I'm like, okay, let's get it. It's, I was there. Like, I remember with my first son just being like, I, I have to hold him the entire time. Like, I thought I had to hold him the, the entire time. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, just hearing you say, and you know, obviously, like, I'm due pretty soon. So I'm like, just hearing you say, like, you didn't know you could put her down. I'm like, oh, yeah, that takes me back. Like, I remember being like, how am I, do I how do I eat? bathroom? Oh, like, shower. how do I eat? How do I shower? Exactly. And being like, oh, just put her down, like, or put her in a bassinet, like, or put, like, I had this, I remember I would have to, like, walk around my house with this little bassinet in case I needed to, like, just put him down for a second. It's intense. It's a big learning curve. And in the, you mentioned, like, the early weeks. It's like, you forget yourself. I don't know if, like, Sometimes I'm like, did we forget ourselves? I don't think we forgot ourselves. I think we're just adjusting to this crazy ass new life. Like it's something you don't really know until you're in it. Yeah, I think for me, that was like the most difficult part of being pregnant is I am a visual person. I'm a Pisces. Everything that is a part of my reality right now from this condo to the plants that are in here to the people I'm working with and the projects I'm working on were once visions in my head that I saw very clearly. Like I could see my career very clearly. I could see me having a condo on the water in a nice building with great valet. Like all these things were details that were etched in my mind. And so I'm really used to like knowing what's next because I, I can visualize it. But with being pregnant, it was the first time in my life that I tried to visualize what my life was going to be like. And I saw nothing but darkness. Like literally just, I was in a black hole of nothingness. And I'd try to picture my child and what she would look like or what it would feel like to hold her or what it would be like to breastfeed. And I couldn't picture anything. And I was just like, is my life about to be like a big, dark black hole? Like, why can't I envision myself being a mother? And that for me was really scary because I'm like, 
am I not meant to be a mom? Am I not going to be a good mom? You know, so just like the anxiety, it was my first time really dealing with anxiety and not being able, you know, not being afraid of the future. I was always excited about the future. And for the first time ever, I was terrified. And so that was something to really like, I didn't even know the difference between anxiety and depression is that depression is having sadness and negative thoughts about the past and anxiety is having fear about the future. I didn't even know those things. So um, I'm learning a lot. You know, I've, I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about mental health. I didn't believe like in postpartum or prenatal depression. I never even believed in depression, really. I thought it was like mind over matter. I was one of those annoying people until it happened to me. And I, when I was depressed while I was pregnant, I thought that only like postpartum depression was a thing. So I didn't even know about prenatal depression. And I just had all these negative thoughts about myself as a woman and a mother. Like I should be happy. I should be excited. I should be thanking God. I should be praising the universe for giving me this gift to, to carry life. But instead, all I can think about is not being able to make money, not being able to hit my career goals anymore, not being able to feel comfortable in my skin. Is my body going to be the same? Like all of these things. So having those thoughts and then having guilt for having those thoughts. Right, right. And then being in a relationship where your partner doesn't even understand remotely an inch of that and thinks and takes everything personal. Like, you know, and God bless him and he's young and like we're both living and growing and trying, you know, on our path to being the best versions of ourselves that we could be. But he very much was like, oh, so you don't want this life? Like you're like, all I hear you talk about is how you miss traveling and how you miss working and how you miss being able to work out and go in the ocean and take a hot bath. Cause you know, it's like, I was focusing on the things I couldn't do, not all the things I could do. Like imagine working for 10 years and wanting a break. And then you finally get the universe is like, here, take nine months off. And all you could think about is why can't I work? It really um, threw a wrench in my relationship and we're still trying to figure that out. But um, one thing that I learned that's like the most important thing is that um, I need to find my identity and self sense of self-worth outside of my career. Because if you used to ask me, who are you? Who is Jules? Like everything in my answer would be a direct response, like a direct correlation to what I do for work. Like, oh yeah, I'm Forbes 30 under 30 for marketing. I have a radio station. I have a marketing agency, an event production company. Like I'm a host. Like you take all those things away. If I can't do all those things tomorrow, who am I? You know, and I had to do a lot of like digging to realize like, oh, I'm a passionate, creative, fun, adventurous, caring, loyal, family-oriented, community-driven human being, first and foremost. And then I'm all of these other things as well that I'm capable of, but they do not define me. But another thing I learned in addition to that was that it is what brings me joy. My career is, is a big part of what brings me joy. And although having my daughter makes me very happy, um, both of those things can exist at the same time. And so I never want to have, now that I have her here, one without the other. I need to have my family and my career for my own happiness, you know? And I think that that's one thing that, like, we talk about a lot as women, but are we really implementing the notion of that, you know? Because so often it seems that even in 2022, the man's job or career for some reason has higher importance in the household than the woman's. All right. You never hear somebody say, oh yeah, he's a working dad. You never hear somebody say he's a working dad. And, um, you know, look like there's, there's 
maybe there's going to be a time in my life. Like, look at Giselle Bundchen, right? I know. I think she was <laughs> the breadwinner in the family, believe it or not, being married to Tom Brady. She's the breadwinner in the family. And I have she- this argument all the time, by the way. I have this argument all the time with Gis- about Giselle and Tom. And she's the breadwinner. And she decided, she made a personal decision to put her career on hold, allow her husband to continue chasing his dreams and be a mom. And she did that. And I'm sure they had, you know, we don't know the ins and outs of like a person's relationship, but it seems from the outside looking in that there was some kind of arrangement like, hey, we're going to do this for a little bit and then you're going to retire and come be home and be a father. And now we're seeing in the public, he said he was going to retire. He, he stated the reason why was because he wanted to be with his family and, and he promised his family that. And then a few weeks later in the news cycle, you see, I'm not retiring. I'm coming back to work. Like, why doesn't Giselle get to be like, I'm going to go ahead and do a run of campaigns this year. You know what I mean? And so if I'm her, I'm like, I'm out of here. Like I have the ability to make more money than you. I put my dreams on hold to make your dreams work. And now it's time for us to be a family. Like something's got to give, you know? So I don't know. It's, 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 um, it's, it's, if, if people like Giselle are still dealing with it, you know, then like, obviously it's still an issue for women. And I think it's important that we, we talk about those things. And you said so many, like Jules, you said so many big things. And I want to thank you for, first of all, I want to thank you for your vulnerability and talking about your prenatal anxiety. And like we, other women need to hear more about that, like, so that they know that it's a real thing and then they're not alone. And I love that you were like, yeah, I was that annoying person who just didn't believe in it. It wasn't until I went to a therapist and the therapist broke it down to me like, hey, scientifically, right? Physically, there are message, like brain path, path passageways that are being redirected and recreated. Like our, we function off of our brain and neurons, like sending signals to one another all day long. And those signals get rerouted and completely made over once we become a mom. We become a whole new human. Our brain gets rewired. And there's a process, there's a there's a period of time during that process where we might be subjected to more negative thoughts. Like our just the way that our brain is communicating with itself leads us to, to doubt ourselves, leads us to feeling insecure, leads us to feeling afraid, leads us to feeling insignificant, unwanted. Uh, underappreciated. It's constantly, we're going straight to the negative thought. Oh, you know, and it could be something as simple as my partner comes home from work. I ask how his day was. He doesn't ask how mine was. Next thing you know, I'm on the couch crying, bawling. Right. Like, you right. don't care about how my day is going. You don't love me anymore. You're not attracted to me. You haven't tried to kiss me in 24 hours, you know? Uh, yeah. Like, guys got to be like, is this bitch crazy? (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) I think that therapy should be like prescribed automatically to couples who are bringing a new child into this world. And it should be a part of every single couple's birth plan. Like, yes, we should be doing prenatal yoga. Yes, we should have like our bag packed and ready for the hospital. But also on the checklist, have we had a couple of sessions together with an, a third party person who can explain what's going on in my brain to you so that you know how to deal with me properly, right? And I think the men need more support in terms of getting the tools that they need to be able to, to be set up for success when it comes to supporting us. So yes, 
we might be frustrated with them and like their lack of ability to support us and, and like emotional capacity. To but you don't know what you don't know. Also, like you don't you know what don't you don't know. know. You don't know. Just like I couldn't be a good friend right. to my friends who were dealing with anxiety and depression before because I'm like, oh, know. don't take those medications. That's horrible for you. Oh, just go outside and ride your bike. Listen to a good song. And they're probably like, this is not my real friend. She is not being supportive. She's not understanding where I'm coming from. It's because I just didn't know anybody. So another thing that you said also is like, when you talked about who are you, um, I have a guest, a podcast guest questionnaire that I send people. And the first question on the questionnaire is who are you? And I intentionally put that question on there because it's so, it's amazing. And it's so fascinating to see what people write when they are asked, who are you? And like you admitted, right? My instinct is to say, oh, I'm all of my achievements. I'm everything I've done. I've my career. I'm everything I've ever accomplished. Um, but who are you when you take all of that away? You know, and like that those two things can thrive together, not just coexist, but like actually thrive together. And I think we need to normalize that as women because you're right. Like moving into like transitioning into this example that you gave us with um Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchin, like we like i think the ultimate goal is to create a scenario where everybody gets to stand in their power and thrive in their power what as parents as partners and as business people right whatever it is that like their business their line of work gives them joy doing obviously you know like my husband is like die hard basketball like that is i can't imagine him like i cannot imagine him it is so part of his identity I also know that since we've had kids, like he's an exceptional father. He's an exceptional father. And I think like for him, he's transitioning into a space where he's like, okay, this is, I'm going to have to define this new reality for myself. You know, and I think for women, it's different for me. Like, unlike you, I didn't always know, like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, this is what I'm good at. And this is what I'm doing. Like I've been, I'm still figuring out, like it wasn't until I landed in this space of podcasting that I'm like, oh, this feels like home. This feels like my, this is like my my superpower. This feels right for me. Uh, but before that, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I felt guilt and shame for not knowing. Yeah. I was just there also like, Hey, am I still going to be able to be the queen of the night? Am I, should I be like, you know, it's like, what's acceptable career wise as a mom, should I be evolving? Does the universe want me to evolve into something like more elevated, more well put together, buttoned up? classy, you know, like what's a wife look like? What's a mom look like trying to figure those things out and, you know, going through my closet and getting rid of my wardrobe and, um, buying clothes that I actually won't ever wear, you know, and then realizing like, okay, there's, there's a happy medium to be met here, you know, and trying to figure that out. It has been really a mind fuck like the past year of my life, trying to figure out how to a be a partner to someone when I've been my own boss and somebody who never even had to answer to my parents because I've been making my own money since I was 12 years old, um, to now being in a in a relationship in a in a situation now a situationship where I can't just make decisions and do whatever I want because I'm affecting somebody else. We're both public figures, and um, you know, um, and there's a child in the mix too. Like a child your decisions, like each of your decisions affect your daughter. Yeah, ultimately. Exactly. And everything that we do in this day and age lives on forever because of it's the era of the internet. So 
really just like thinking about legacy and what legacy I'm leaving for my daughter to one day um, find. So we talked about, you brought up society and I actually, I was a guest on my good friend, Will Beck's podcast recently. And he asked me, cause I was, I started talking about how like society is putting these expectations on women and like, like we're talking about how you have to dress. Right. And I've struggled with that too. Like, what does a coach's wife dress? Like, how does she behave? Like, what does she do? You know, like oh, girl, I I my own insecurities about that, you know, throughout this journey in my life. And, and I was talking to my friend about this on his show and he was like, you know what, Nikki, I'm going to challenge you on this. Is it society that's actually telling you, or is it what you think society is telling you? Easy for a man to say. It's yeah, sure. Right, man but... telling me about, <laughs> like, it's true. Like on, but on some level, I'm like, how much of it is something that I create and like fuck society? What society has to say? Like who do? Like why should I even let society govern my thought processes, whether it is or not? And like sometimes I think I make it bigger than I am. I'm like, so this is my reality. These are my rules. Like society can wipe their ass with their own rules. That's a fact. And, but you know, we've all been pre-programmed. 100%. Like, like imagine there's probably been a time where you've seen a mom wearing something and been like, Ooh, I don't know about that. You know, like totally. I'm sure we're we have to break the chains. Like, right. Like we have to do this where we're like having these conversations, these real conversations where we're saying like, yeah, mamas, we're not going to do that to each other anymore. And I honestly, more than Men, I think it starts more with women. Like we need to not do that to each other. And so like, it's like this crazy thing. Like I do a lot of like reading about like toxic patriarchy, which by the way, like not all men are a part of. Like the toxic patriarchy is like its own thing. And some people, men and women subscribe to it. And there are other people, men and women who do not, right? So, but it does start with the patriarch because like women turn against each other for like ultimately for the approval of man. Yeah. And that's something that now that I've had the amazing, beautiful, wonderful experience of being in true love, being courted by a real man, being in a relationship that was fully committed and dedicated for the first time in my adult life, I realized that, um, like I'm good. Like, like if I have to give up who I am to experience love, it's not worth it for me because I have love in my everyday life. I have love in, in like, you know, I, I, I just have love. I have love in my friends. I have love in my family. Now my daughter, I love rollerblading. I love the sun and the way the water here, you know, I can't wait to rollerblade with you once you're ready. But you know, it's like, there's no love with a man that's worth giving up these little things that make me happy. And there should be somebody out there, hopefully. And hopefully it's my child's father and we just figure out our differences. Literally, I, I tried being a mom influencer for a little bit and just like attacking like mom brands and stuff. But music makes me happy. Giving people a good time at events so that they can like disconnect from their worries and stress that they have in their life for the few hours that they're in my hands and like go home and be like, man, that was so fun. Those things make me feel really great. People only treat you how you allow them to treat you. So I didn't realize that like by bending and compromising constantly in order to make my relationship work, I was training my partner on the fact that he can boss me around and like, and like, you know, really determine what, what I would be doing from a day-to-day -day basis when really it's my fault for doing that. Like in the beginning, when that started to show up, 
I should have put my foot down and been like, hey, this is what we're not going to do. You know what I mean? But instead I was like, oh, I found the man of my dreams. Like maybe as a woman, I'm supposed to bend a little bit. Maybe that's why I've been single for so long because I never was willing to bend. But the truth is I was single for so long because God has something better in store for me. You all, I want to take a break and I want to take a moment to tell you about how lucky I feel to have found painless pregnancy. I started seeing Dr. Luli Diaz two weeks after I had my third baby, and I have honestly had the best recovery yet. At Painless Pregnancy, their belief is that their services should be the standard of care for every woman, especially pregnant and postpartum women. Some of the issues that they treat are diastasis recti, back pain, hip pain, pelvic pain. They treat pubic dysfunction, numbness and tingling in your arms or legs. They treat general aches and pains, headaches and neck pain. They treat difficulty walking or having a severe waddling gait. They treat balance issues and urinary or fecal incontinence. They help treat pain with sex or other pelvic issues. And they treat prolapse among so many other issues. Pregnant women should not wait until they are actually in pain or dysfunction to see the incredible therapists at painless pregnancy. So many women think that the issues I mentioned are normal or that there is no solution or that their only solution is to have surgery, but that's simply not true. Working with the therapists at painless pregnancy can heal you. You all know that we must fill our own cup before we can pour from it. Make your prenatal and postpartum health a priority today by booking an appointment with Painless Pregnancy. You can head on over to www.painless-pregnancy.com and use my code NikkiSpo10 for 10% off of your initial in-home evaluation visit. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors, Sana Skin Studio. The best way for me to describe Sana is that it feels like coming home. Unlike traditional facials, Sana's facials are rooted in education, and I love this so much. Every experience I've had at Sana has been a chance to learn more about my skin and its needs. I love that the facials are effective while also being accessible enough to be a monthly ritual rather than a yearly splurge. I'm honored to be able to provide our audience with a promo code. Use the code THENOGLOW for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. So, okay, so you're my music girl. Like, you know how to have the best time. And I mentioned to you, like, queen of the night. You're like a nightlife unicorn. Um, how did you come up with the moniker Yes Jewels? I actually uh, tried Just Jewels on Twitter. And like Jewels like, or Jewels. Just yeah. Jewels? I tried both. Okay, um, so at Just Jewels and at Jewels. I tried Jewels. Jewels was taken. I tried Jewels 02 because that's my favorite number. It's the day I was born. 
that was taken. I tried just jewels. I was taken. I'm like, all right, I got to dig deep here. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start this Twitter account. I really don't know what like this Twitter thing is or what it's going to turn into, but I'm big on like building brands and like doing things intentionally. This is more than just my Twitter name. What message am I trying to put out there? And I was like, yes. Like I just, yes. I was like, it should be yes, Jules, because I want to be the person people say yes to. And I want to be the person that says yes to others. Like I want to be like the girl who could get it done. The girl that people come to, you know, I want people to be like, yes, Jules. So I named myself that on Twitter. And then it kind of just like, people started calling me that in real life. Um, then Instagram came about, you know, and I started Instagram and, and, um, cause I think it used to be like Jules Goddard on Instagram or something. And then I changed it to yes, Jules. And then from there, like a, a brand was born. I decided why not name my company that. And then after a few years of having my agency named after myself, realized that wasn't the wave. Um, because as a public figure, you don't always, you might not always want to be the face of things. Like you might have a bad, you might get canceled. And then do you want your clients like not signing with your agency because it's named after you, you know, so had to create some separation there. Um, and now it's called 1am creative, but yeah, so we have the, the 1am brand, which is like media marketing entertainment and the yes jewels brand, which is ever evolving. Um, had a little health and wellness moment with yes juice last year. That was fun and very expensive for me. <laughs> now, uh, really not a great idea to start a cold pressed juice business and miss a pandemic when prices of, uh, produce are rising by the way. But, um, yeah. After that, like now I'm like my first question to myself whenever I have an idea, because I have like five business ideas an hour, right? So now, I'm, now I have to vet them like, what's the profit margin on this? Because think like crazy or not, like believe it or not, I love the name Yes Juice so much that I didn't even care. I was like, this is a brand. I'm a big marketer, like a, a big sucker for marketing. So I didn't even care to look at the business model and realize like, oh, I'm only going to make like a couple of dollars off each juice. Is that really worth like spinning the wheel? I have to sell thousands of cases to make the same amount of money that I'd make off of just doing a post for pretty little thing once a month. You know what I mean? Like, let me, now that I have a daughter, I'm like, I got to reevaluate anything that doesn't have high profit margins. It doesn't make sense for me. So Jules, on that note, don't forget me when, if you're going to use queen of the night. Okay. I'm yeah. Just- yeah. Okay. I get, I remember who gave you queen no. of the night right here. It's in the okay. ether. We put it out into the internet. I did that. <laughs> I need to go back to my interviews with people and take my, my little tidbit. Like, oh yeah. I remember that idea I gave you? That was Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the thing of me also is like, I never come from a place of like, this person took my idea and ran oh, with yeah, it. Right. I have so many you ideas. So many. Take my ideas. God's going to bless right. me with more. I'm not oh, mad. God's I'm motivated. Amen, girlfriend. I I'm love not, I'm that. I'm never mad. I'm motivated. I love that. I'm never mad. I'm motivated. I'm That's writing it down. Tagline. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you have a mindset of abundance. Like some people live in lack of and scarcity mindset where there's not enough. Like you can't have my idea because there's not, that's the only idea. Like you're like, no bitch. Like I have mad ideas. Like I have their, like the ideas are going to keep coming up for me. Like it's not, this is not the only thing. This is, this is, I mean, if you could bottle that shit up, Jules, and sell that, like people are dying to have the, that abundance mindset. How many, how many self-help books do I read that is just not hitting, right? Like you know, like, you know, honestly, I feel like people can't see themselves in some of these people. Like, for instance, like, 
whatever, I'm probably going to get shit for this, but I'm just going to speak my truth. Tony Robbins, not really my guy, like not really my style. Right. But like, I fuck with his message. I like what he's trying to do for people. He's trying to light a fire under people's ass. He's doing it in like a non cookie cutter way. Um, and it's working for a lot of people. I went to the 10 X event at the arena couldn't like it's not for me i'm not i'm not the type of person that's going to stand on my feet and be like um you know like like repeat chants and stuff like that like i don't need all that those things to get me motivated but there's tidbits of information from him and his videos that like i like you know we could all take something from like i saw a video of him saying like the most successful people in the world focus on what they have not on what they don't have and if you're spending your time focusing throughout the day on like oh I made, I made six figures this month, but it's still not enough to pay off that tax bill. I've got. You know, just random, like, no, not that, not that I have a crazy tax bill, but, uh, you know, like, you know, if you're focusing, how about like, thank you God for bringing me these six figures, because when you come from that place, then you'll be able to see the other blessings that are in your life and you won't be focusing on what you don't have. And that makes room for more things to come. And so, you know, I try to have that mindset mainly because, early in my life, I didn't really have a choice. If like, if that wasn't my mindset, I'd probably be in jail or like not here right now, you know? So when it's, it's most important to have that mindset when you have nothing, when you think you have nothing, that's when you really need to dig in and be like, is it the weather that I could be grateful for today? Is it my, my lunch that I had, you know, like it's, it's obviously easier said than done, but you know, it's more money, more problems. Like people think that money is the answer and the solution to everything. But if you have that negative uh, mindset of feeling like coming from a place of lack, then you're never going to have enough money. You're never going to have enough friends. You're never going to have enough clothes, opportunities, et cetera. So abundance mindset, super important. I need help. Help me. I'm like an old lady on TikTok and I almost want to give up. Like what, are, what, what's happening? How has your transition been to TikTok? Uh, I'm not really focused on it. Um, every day I get new followers on there. So I think just like naturally, like it's happening, I guess. But I'm, I tried to focus on it for a couple of days. And then I was just like, this isn't like organic to me. You know, I don't know. I can't force it for me. Like I'm not like I get I love the app. I think it's great. I love the algorithm. It's better than Instagrams and Twitters. Um, but like. I don't know. I, I really like documentary style content personally. I feel like the people that do really well on TikTok are, you know, kind of like going with the trends and stuff. And that's really never been like my vibe. So, which is so crazy that you say that because you're such, you are like, you're a trendsetter. Like you might not go with the trend, like, but you set the trend. How, like, how are you doing that? Like, how is this, was it like, is this like your gift that God gave you? Like, how the hell do you, are you able to identify a trend and be like, this is it? This is it. Man, when it comes to music, I can wholeheartedly, confidently say absolutely. I think I'm one of the best in my generation when it comes to that, as far as like from an A&R perspective. I can hear something and be like, I can see, like, I saw Travis perform for like 20 people at his first Rolling Loud performance, right? Or like his first performance I ever saw him live do was a Revolt Music Conference in like 2014. But while I was watching him, Fountain Blue turned into a stadium and I could vision, like I saw, I had a vision of him performing for stadiums and I knew right then and there, this guy's a rock star. I knew when I heard Mo Bamba, this song that's been out for a year that nobody's listening to or talking about is a generational rager anthem. And 
the right people just haven't heard it yet. So like, I never doubt my abilities in that sense. When it comes to like clothes and stuff like that, I've got to be honest. Like I'm not like, I don't view, I know I'm not aesthetically dialed in. You know what I mean? Like I'm not the coolest person in my opinion, when it comes to like fashion, that's not my thing. I have a very simple recipe. It's like baggy pants and crop tops. I've got big hips and I've got a small waist. So that's my go-to vibe. <laughs> Maybe a cat suit here and there. I don't really switch it up much. Um, I'll wear dresses and sneakers. That's my thing. Like everybody has their thing. Music is my best uh, form of expression. And, you know, others have like fashion and whatnot. But when it comes to like knowing who's next, that's what I'm best at. Like the next yeah. best. Well, how do you do that? Like, where do you get that? Like, where do you get that, Jules? My mom who adopted me saw something special in me. And I think that that passed on to me and I can see something special in people that I come across. So I think it comes from my mom maybe. Um, and I think I'm just here to continue doing what she did to me for other people. When it comes to being a cheerleader for people, I'm the, I'm the best. Like I love being like, Oh, it's my girl, Nikki. She's got this great podcast. Like you should meet her X, Y, Z, you know, just never. And I think that's also a trickle down effect of the abundance. That's theory. I was just going to say that. Because people who that. feel that they're coming from a place, a place of lacking things, they're afraid to make connections for one another. To your point about like sharing the wealth of knowledge. Like even before we started this conversation, you're like, I want to start a podcast. I'm like, well, you got to get with this girl. Like sharing a connection where I'm like, it doesn't like, I can share about this woman's podcast without feeling like it threatens my own because we're on a different journey. Like, and mind you, this is a woman that has more success than I do. And I'm like, you got to connect with her. You know what I mean? And by the way, once yeah. I start my podcast, I'm not worried. You can be a guest on it and we talk about yours. It's a win-win for everyone. But- my point is like, we're not worried about like not having enough. We're worried what we're, what we're doing is we're saying, you know what, you want this? I can facilitate that. Here you go, girlfriend. Because, and this is what, I mean, women, women specifically, we need to be doing this more. Yeah. We women need to be doing it more. And just like people in general. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say the people who have tried to block me from opportunities the most in my career have not been women. Oh shit. Believe really? it or not. No, it, it has been mainly men. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. How? Sure. Well, got, is it like it. because of the industry you're in? Like, where is that coming from? People are threatened by having a woman like that they have to like answer to? I don't know where it comes from. I think it's like maybe demasculating for a man to know that I could execute something faster for Kanye West than they could or something. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure what it is, but... um I can't like dwell on it. All I know is that I'm just going to continue to produce the work that I produce. And like, look, I've been brought onto projects and then hated on and, and got dropped from those projects because of like what was said or like public opinion of me or what you see when you Google me online, et cetera. But people always end up coming back because one thing that that's very clear and apparent and that I'm consistent with is my work ethic. And when you're the type of person throughout your career that is like, yeah, let me connect you with this person. Yes, let me go ahead and give you this idea for this multimedia platform that you're not going to give me any credit or money for, but I'm never going to speak publicly on the specifics of why I'm upset about that because I'm going to maintain my composure, my class and my grace, and God's going to continue to bless me. So it's like, it, when things happen, I'm a, I'm in a human. I make mistakes. I've made mistakes. I've tweeted things that have upset people. I've done things that have upset people. People have tried to cancel me and get me out of like my industry, but 
I've done too many favors. I've been there for too many important people and I've come through on too many promises for that to happen. Like I'm not going anywhere because the proof is in the pudding and the work has been done already. So like, it doesn't matter what this person who only like met me online, like has never in person thinks because there's too many people who are like real movers and shakers doing real work that know the work that I do, you know? So I think like, it's like being able to sleep at night because you know you're giving life your best shot every single day. Okay, so you mentioned that you were adopted. Um, I recently put out a podcast with Sherelle Starr, who is a former foster care youth, and she grew up in the system, and now she uses her platform to bring awareness to the very broken system that it is. And so you are also dedicated to foster care. And you mentioned that, again, you mentioned that you were adopted. Is Has she been what has driven your passion for helping the foster care system? My mom is definitely my drive for everything that I do community-wise. Um, I have a foundation called Little Rascals. It's named after the after-school care program that I used to go to when I was in foster care that my mom was the um, program director at. So it was, it was here in South Florida called Little Rascals. Uh, regular kids went there also, but kids who were fostered youth got to go there for free or at a discount by the with help from the state. Um, and so my dream, like, and I, I really get upset with myself every time somebody like brings this up because I wish that I could say that I've done more in the space, but I have done some cool things. I've built three recording studios, one in Haiti at an orphanage, one in Alapata at the Motivational Edge, which is now called the Miami Heat, which I would love to do some work with you in this uh, space. The Miami Heat took over the Motivational Edge in Alapata, which is an after-school program where I built a recording studio for the kids to express themselves and have something to sell other than what they might be um, uh, influenced to sell otherwise. Yeah. And, um, and then another one in Palm Beach Correctional Facility. It's like, my thing is this, the only reason why the program director of my after-school care program knew who I was, because right, only your teachers are like, the people that you're with every day know you are the person at the top, the principal, et cetera. They don't know all the We only knew who I was because I was getting in trouble and getting sent to her office every day. Whether I was stealing something, trying to sell something in class, like throwing, like I used to throw my own little concerts in the backyard in the clubhouse while classes were going on. I'd like make my own flyers and put them outside and I'd get in trouble for this. And instead of being like, oh, this girl's a troublemaker, let's kick her out of here and put her in a different program. She was like, let's get her voice lessons. Let's get her piano lessons. Let's get her in drama and theater. Like, thank God for teachers and childcare workers that are like my mom, because these are the people who are shaping the world that we are gonna live in, in the future. The, the children are the future. It's disgusting to me, the amount of money that we pay our teachers. We're starting to see the ramifications in a world where it's too easy to do what you love and make legitimate good money doing that online and like you won't even have to leave your house. Why would teachers want to get up, go to work, be with our kids all day long, not really get, it's a thankless job, right? And you're making less than $40,000 a year. How does this make sense? I have this conversation with Spo all the time, where I used to, not so much anymore, but I was a teacher in Little Havana for five years in a middle school. And I was teacher of the year there. I'm very proud of that. Um, but yeah, but I left teaching. I'm like, F this shit. Like I 
and here's the thing. I love teaching. I loved my, my dance team that I coached. I had like 13 girls on the team and one boy and I loved them so much, but I can't tell you, I'm like, this is not, I just, it's, it's disrespectful. It is disrespectful how much money. And Eric would be like, you don't have to make money. Like, I think I got us covered, right? Which is true. Like, Eric's, yes. But I'm like, it's like a self-worth thing where I'm like, I cannot, like on a principal level, I'm like, you do not, like the system, the system is so broken and it's so, it, there's no respect for teachers. I remember I used to teach English language arts and our administration sat us down and was like, okay, guys, you teach English language arts, right? You can't teach fiction anymore. So don't teach any of those stories. You're only allowed to teach informational texts. All right. So great. We're going to teach the truth about <laughs> a lot of things. Sure. But my whole point, I'm like, okay, but then there's, right. So the fiction, right. You think about like To Kill a Mockingbird and all these like really, really powerful books that talk about things that are really difficult for people to hear. So if they want to say we can't teach fiction, then um, let's get the Bibles removed from schools. <laughs> so listen, so I was like, you know, with all due respect, I'm not going to not teach fiction because this is fiction is like, especially for the demographic of students that I taught, you know, over there in Little Havana, like you want to get them interested in reading. Like half of them don't want to read anyway. Dude, right? the only reason why I read is because Harry to. Potter came out in third grade. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm reading. That's what I'm Otherwise, talking about. I never read a self-help book in my life. So I'm like, we have to get them reading things that help them escape from their everyday lives or help give them some type of inspiration or create that fantasy world for them that sparks their creativity because that's how people learn to love reading. And I said, so with all due respect, I'm going to, I'm going to continue to teach the three books this year that I planned on teaching. It was Walk Two Moons, The Hatchet, and The Outsiders, like amazing middle school books. And I was like, at the end of the year, they'll take their standardized test and you can let me know how my scores did and we'll assess for next year. My seventh graders had the highest score in the middle school. If we don't do something very soon for budget, like why are we pulling from budgets for wars, but not preventing those wars by raising the next generation of caretakers and givers and thought leaders correctly? You talked about Web3 and I don't know what the hell Web3 is. Can, can you tell me? Can you tell me what that is? It's basically decentralized. It's a new world on the internet that is decentralized. It's, it's a space that says, it's for the people by the people. Like it's like, hey, companies shouldn't be owned by one person at the top and owned and governed. They should be owned and governed by those that drive the business, right? And so, there's a lot of industries that are going to be like completely revolutionized by the blockchain, and I think um, music will be the main one of the main ones because we've been looking for a solution for artists to have funding for their projects, not sign away their rights to labels and stuff, and really be able to survive and make a living off of their audience directly. Um, and this have ownership, be, like legitimate ownership and have legitimate ownership and, and, and the audience members have ownership like the listeners as well. So it's everything I've always dreamt of for the past decade. I've been on Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, interfacing with my audience saying, who do you guys want me to book for this DJ? What kind of party do you want me to throw for Basil? Who should I hire to be on my team? And my audience has always helped me make these decisions. And now it can be done in a very organized, strategic, 
way with the proper technology that empowers us to do so. Jules, thank you so much for taking time to be on my show, The Know with Nikki Spo. I can't wait for you to develop your podcast. I am so excited that we get to share this wealth of knowledge that is you. Like you are a wealth of knowledge with our listeners. They're going to love it. I already love it. And I just think you're amazing. And I'm so happy to share space with you. So thank you so, so, so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for having me. This was so fun. And I can't wait to meet the new baby. And hopefully we could spend some mommy and me time together soon. Let's do it. Mwah. Bye. Awesome. Thank you. In the know, you spoke. Yes. Big thank you to my friends at Painless Pregnancy who have helped me have a truly painless postpartum experience after my C-section. I am seriously so very grateful to have found them and I want every woman in town to know that these services exist and are available to them. Head on over to www.painless.com pregnancy.com and use my code NikkiSpo10 for 10% off of your initial in-home evaluation visit. This podcast was brought to you by Sana Skin Studio. Be sure to use my code THENOGLOW for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. More than a skin studio, Sana is a movement towards healthier skin and self-love. Thank you so much for listening to The Know. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 